This is number two of two. And the text I have chosen is the same text that we had in number one from Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. You are acquainted with this text, but we want to make it personal. It reads, Ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. In my travels for the Lord's work, I crossed this earth's mighty oceans many times by ship and plane. Being human, I often wondered as I looked over those boundless seas, should this plane or ship go down thousands of miles from nowhere and I was to survive in a rubber raft, could it be possible that I might be seen and rescued? Yes, it was possible. However, I shall never forget the first time I crossed the mighty Amazon basin. As I looked down upon its thousands of square miles of some of the greatest jungles to be found any place in this world, I suddenly realized that if my plane should go down and in some way I should survive, it would be utterly impossible to spot me from the air above. For those jungles are deep and thick. I would be totally separated from any outside help. And so the strangest feeling came over my entire being. I knew I would be lost, separated from any help. It was a fearful, agonizing experience I'll never forget. I began to understand how Adam and Eve must have felt when they became lost in Eden, separated from God, for their connection with divine help was shattered. And to make matters even worse, Instead of living in an atmosphere of love, they were now under a new, cruel, powerful, satanic force. Yes, they were lost in Eden. And then, then came a horrifying thought. Could it be possible that while we are within God's true church, surrounded with the loving care of God and his marvelous doctrines of truth and his precious standards, could it be that we might personally become separated, disconnected from God while in the church and totally lost? Well, let me awaken you to reality. This is what will happen to millions within the Adventist church. 
and we have been warned of this by God's servant. The majority within our church will think they are connected with God, but will believe the lies that are now being preached from some of our pulpits. And they will find out too late that while they thought they were connected to God, they have become separated from deity and are under a power and a control of another spirit. Ellen White wrote of this because she saw it in vision that would happen in the end time. In early writings, page 43 and 44, I read, I saw that Satan was working through agents in a number of ways. He was at work through ministers who have rejected the truth and are given over to strong delusions to believe a lie that they might be damned. While they were preaching or praying, some would fall prostrate and helpless, not by the power of the Holy Ghost, but by the power of Satan breathed upon these agents and through them to the people. While preaching and praying or conversing, some professed Adventists who had rejected present truth used mesmerism to gain adherence, and the people would rejoice in this influence, for they thought it was the Holy Ghost. Some even that used it were so far in the darkness and deception of the devil that they thought it was the power of God given to them to exercise. They had made God altogether such a one as themselves and had valued his power as a thing of naught. Perhaps I should digress here for a moment and tell you that just a few days ago, I had one of our good, faithful Seventh-day Adventist ministers, and believe me, we have them still within our church. And he phoned me from the East, and he said, as he called me on the phone, you don't know me, we have never met, but I have listened to some of your tapes, and sometimes I have felt that you were a little hard on the ministry. But he said, Brother Nelson, I believe now that you should deal in a more harsh manner. He said, let me tell you what is happening in the area where I live. He said, in one of our large churches, and I'm not named the church, he said, they have brought in a minister who has so many degrees back of his name that whenever he speaks, they think that he talks as God. They believe everything that he tells them. And he said, you know what he's doing? He said, on Sabbath afternoon, he is now having healing services. He says, he strikes these people who come forward to be healed on the head, and they fall backward. Somebody has to grab them, and they lay on the floor sometimes for 30 minutes on the pulpit. 
he said, I, I just couldn't believe that this would ever happen in my church. And he said, if you have any idea what I'm talking about, he said, just turn on the television. And he said, look at some of these Pentecostal healing programs, and this is exactly what this man is doing in the Seventh-day Adventist church today. You know what I told him? I said, Elder, you haven't seen anything yet. I believe we are beginning to come into a great false revival within this church. Not only will there be healing such as you are seeing, but I said you will see these men speaking in tongues and preaching doctrines of devils in these last days. Let me read on. Early Writings 44, I saw that Satan was at work in these ways to distract, deceive, and draw away God's people just now in the sealing time. I saw some who were not, who had not, I saw some who were not standing stiffly for present truth. Their knees were trembling and their feet sliding because they were not firmly planted on the truth. And the covering of Almighty God could not be drawn over them while they were thus trembling. Satan was trying his very art to hold them where they were until the sealing was passed, until the covering was drawn over God's people, and they left without a shelter, and they were left without a shelter from the burning wrath of God in the seven last plagues. Oh, I want to tell you, there is no doubt in my mind that Jesus is coming soon. We are in the end time, and soon we are going to be faced with a great false revival among the people, the remnant church. There will be healings, there will be false tongues, but listen, early writings 45, I saw that the mysterious signs and wonders and false reformations would increase and spread. The reformations that were shown me were not reformations from error, to truth. And so, my friend, we need a divine power today, if ever we needed it, to discern error from truth in the coming crisis that is breaking upon this church. In our last study, number one, lost in Eden, we discovered that the human race, whether before or after the fall of Adam, must reach above the level of humanity by a daily infusion of divine power in order to maintain a vital connection with God. This connection is absolutely necessary if we are to overcome Satan's masterful 
temptations. Although Adam and Eve were created to be, quote, made partakers, unquote, of divine nature, their connection with God was not such as to be an inseparable part of their human nature. For if this had been so, they could have never fallen. Neither did God give them a one-time infusion of spiritual power that would last them through eternity. The facts are that they must constantly be dependent upon God for a daily fresh supply of divine power. Now, let's carefully think this through, and I'm going to dig deep and perhaps deeper than I have ever preached before in my life. And so, try to follow me. If unfallen Adam, who had partaken of divine nature, needed a daily fresh supply to maintain his connection with God, dare we of ourselves, can we think it possible for us who have been born into a fallen race, who have experienced the power of sin within our lives, do you think that we can maintain a connection with God by our own power without seeking a French fresh supply of divine power every day? Why did Adam fall? Listen, Signs of the Times, December 3, 1902. Adam did not reach above his humanity for divine power. You see, he believed Satan's lying words. You read of them in Genesis 3, 5, when the devil told him, ye shall be as gods. In other words, if I could put it in the language of today, what he was telling them was, Adam, you can do it yourself. You are not dependent on anyone else. Now the truth is, anyone born, anyone who is a born-again Christian who believes such a lie that he can maintain his Christian experience by himself is sure to be captured by Satan and separated from God to be lost just as Adam was lost in Eden. You know, we're all captivated by a teacher who can demonstrate the facts that he is presenting before our very eyes. And this is exactly what Jesus did for he was heaven's greatest teacher. He left heaven, he came down to earth, he took upon himself fallen human nature, yet, because he maintained a daily connection with God his Father, he never once broke his Father's law. 
he accomplished this wonder, which Satan said was impossible, because he daily partook of the Holy Spirit. In Acts of the Apostles, page 56, Christ, during his life on earth, sought his Father daily for a fresh supply of needed grace. This is why we read in the scripture that Christ often spent the entire night in communion with God. We read of him getting up early before the sun came up, spending time with God. This is why it is said, as I read from Bible Commentary 7, page 907, in Christ dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, perhaps right here, we should ask a question. Was Jesus exactly like fallen man? No, there was one difference. Jesus was not born separated from God. Perhaps I should put it in this way. Jesus did not come to earth to demonstrate that a man separated from God, sold unto sin, could live a sinless life. No. The facts are, Jesus came to demonstrate just the opposite. He came to demonstrate that only humanity connected with divinity would find it possible to overcome as he overcame. Signs of the Times, December 10, 1896, quote, Christ left his heavenly home and came to this world, why? To show that only by being connected with divinity can man keep the law of God. In itself, humanity is tainted <clears throat> and corrupted, but Christ brought moral power to the man, and those who live in communion with him overcome as he overcame. <clears throat> the following statement makes it very clear. Bible Commentary 7, 926. Christ came to this earth taking humanity and standing as man's representative to show to the controversy with Satan that man as God created him, connected with the Father and the Son, could obey every divine requirement. And so, we can understand how Christ demonstrated by his connection with his Father that a man having a fallen human nature is enabled to obey every divine requirement if he truly becomes 
a partaker of divine nature. In Selected Messages 1, page 226, I read, Christ assumed the liabilities of human nature to be proved and tried. In his humanity, he was a partaker of the divine nature. And in volume 2 of the Testimonies 201, in Christ were united the human and the divine. You see, Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. And as we compare inspired writings, we discover that, quote, a connection with God, unquote, and the new birth are synonymous terms. Signs of the Times, November 15, 1883. There must be a new birth, a new mind, through the operation of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> this connection with God fits man for the glorious kingdom of heaven. Are you following me? When sinful man repents and chooses to connect with God, we refer to this experience as having a new birth, having been born of the Spirit, which makes it possible to declare such a person as being, quote, a new man in Christ Jesus, unquote. Just so, the Son of God made the decision when he came down to this earth to be born as a new man. For when he was to be born into this world of Mary, he was to come connected to his father from his mother's womb. For the mind of Christ was to be spirit-filled from his inception. In Ephesians 2, verse 13 to 15, we read, Now in Christ Jesus, ye, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see, he's talking here to you and I who have been separated disconnected from God, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are connected. Then he continues, For Christ is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us. Ah, he's broken that wall down. There is a connection, there is a joining together. He continues, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Now you may find and think that that is quite a difficult passage, but notice how inspiration makes it so simple 
I am reading from Review and Herald, December 15, 1896. Ellen White writes, From his first entrance into the world as a babe, Christ was controlled by his Father through the Spirit. He made in himself of twain of the human and the divine natures. One new man. This is what made it possible for Christ in his humanity to take upon him our sinful nature, our sinful heredity, yet not indulge in our sinfulness. Again, the only difference between Jesus and ourselves when born into this world of humanity is that we are born without a connection with God, while Jesus was born with a connection with God. Notice how clearly this is revealed as to the source of his power. Manuscript 1, 1892. Jesus came to this earth to show that man, when filled with the Holy Spirit, could obey the law of God. Now that's exactly what the Bible says in Acts 10.38 when it says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. In Signs of the Times, February 24, 1888, the Father gave the Spirit without measure to his Son. That's tremendous, isn't it? All heaven was given. But then notice these words. And we also may partake of its fullness. Marvelous, isn't it, how God has made provision for us to be overcomers. In Bible Commentary 7, page 907, in Christ dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is why, although he was tempted in all points, like as we are, he stood before the world from his first entrance into it, untainted by corruption, though surrounded by it. Then these words, are we not also to overcome, not, are we not also to become partakers of that fullness? And is it not thus and thus only that we can overcome as he overcame? You see, the divine secret of Christ's victory over sin from the moment of his entrance into this world as a human was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Godhead bodily, he was connected with the Father. This is why he was untainted by corruption. 
In fact, the law of God was written in his heart when he was born of Mary. Let me read this to you, Psalms 40, verse 7 and 8. Speaking of Jesus, Then said I, the Lord is speaking, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. And so Jesus was connected with God, not sold under sin, even though he voluntarily bore our sins. In Signs of the Times, December 3, 1902, Satan charmed the first Adam by his sophistry, and he believed the words of Satan. But the second Adam was not to become the enemy's bond slave. Therefore, this is why Christ was sinless, because he was ever, always connected with God, which experience he maintained throughout his entire lifetime. <clears throat> Thus, <clears throat> Christ proved that man bearing a fallen, sinful nature, may obey and live without sin. In Selected Messages 136, the only begotten Son of God came to our world as a man to reveal to the world the law of God. And again in Signs of the Times, December 3, 1902, Christ came to this world as a man. Why? To prove to the angels and to men that man may overcome, that in every emergency he may know that the powers of heaven are ready to help him. What a promise. Oh, praise God. All of the fullness of the power of God is available for us. In Selected Messages 3, 138, the Lord declares, I have kept my Father's commandments. And then she continues, how? As a man. In Signs of the Times, March 30, 1904, God sent his Son to this world to bear the penalty of sin. Why? To show man how to live a sinless life. Why am I preaching like this? Why am I dwelling on the fact that we must have in our humanity the power of divinity connected with us? Because I believe that Jesus is coming soon and we must get ready. The sealing will soon be over. And only those who have taken of this divine power and learned to live as Jesus lived are going to make it. In Ministry of Healing, page 180, His life 
declares that humanity combined with divinity does not commit sin. In first selected messages 409, Christ came to reveal the source of his power that man might never rely on his unaided human capabilities. And so don't let anyone ever mislead you by reading the following passage, which may at first appear to contradict what I have just said. Let me read it to you. Bible Commentary 5, page 1129. Let every human being be warned from the ground of making Christ altogether human, such a one as ourselves, for he cannot be. The exact time when humanity blended with divinity is not necessary for us to know. We don't need to know the exact moment, but if this quotation perplexes you in any way, did you notice the clue? In Christ, humanity was blended with divinity. In Selected Messages 2.26, it says, In his humanity, he was a partaker of divine nature. Therefore, Selected Messages 131.3, Christ did not possess the same sinful corruption, fallen disloyalty that we possess, for then he could not be a perfect offering. Christ's humanity was identical with ours, and don't let anybody tell you any different. Again and again, this is so plainly revealed. Selected Messages 3, 128, laying aside his royal crown, he condescended to step down, step by step, how low? To the level of fallen humanity. And in Selected Messages 128, Book 3, his human nature was created. It did not even possess angelic powers. He didn't even have the power when he was here as a human that the angels have. Then notice this. It was human, identical with our own, unquote. Never could it be written more plainly. In Romans 1, 3, the scripture says the same. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And in Romans 8, 3, 4, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Yes, Jesus was exactly like fallen man except in sin. Why? Because he was never separated from his father for one split second. 
it was in this sense only that Christ was not altogether human, such a one as we are. Although he was in a fallen body, bearing the results of 4,000 years of sinful heredity, yet he was constantly connected with his Father. From the very moment of his first inception into humanity, this is why the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. His mind was always pure. It was always sinless. And the obedience of Christ was not that of a God, but that of a man who was connected with divine power. In Manuscript 1, 1892, Christ's overcoming and obedience is that of a true human being. In our conclusions, we make many mistakes because of our erroneous views of the human nature of our Lord. When we give to him his human nature a power that it is not possible for man to have in his conflict with Satan, we destroy the completeness of his humanity. His imputed grace and power he gives to all who receive him by faith. The obedience of Christ to his Father was the same obedience that is required of man. Man cannot overcome Satan's temptations without divine power to combine with his, with his instrumentality. So with Jesus Christ, he would lay hold of divine power. He came not to the world to give the obedience of a lesser God to a greater, but as a man to obey God's holy law. And in this way, he is our example. The Lord Jesus came to our world and listen to this. If you forget everything else I've said, let this be implanted. Listen carefully. The Lord Jesus came to our world not to reveal what a God could do, but what a man could do. Through faith in God's power to help in every emergency. Isn't that wonderful? We have an example Jesus has showed us. Man is through faith to be our partaker in the divine nature. He is to overcome every temptation wherewith he is beset. And so the Lord now demands that every son and daughter of Adam, through faith in Jesus Christ, serve him in human nature, which we now have. The Lord Jesus has bridged the gulf that sin has made. He has connected 
earth with heaven and finite man with the infinite God. Listen. Jesus, the world's redeemer, could only keep the commandments of God in the same way that humanity can keep them. Oh, that gives me courage, doesn't it? And I trust it gives you courage. Wonderful. Oh, praise God. We are assured that every son and daughter of Adam, when connected with the infinite God through faith, may obey God in the human nature which we now have. So forever let it be known that the spirit of prophecy clearly makes a distinction between sinful nature and sinfulness. Review and Herald, December 15, 1896. In him was no guilt or sinfulness. He was ever pure and undefiled, yet he took upon him our sinful nature. Why? For the mind controls the whole man. Christ's mind was sanctified by the Holy Spirit from the moment of his conception. In Signs of the Times, October 29, 1894, he began life, he passed through its experiences, and ended its record with a sanctified human will. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet because he kept his will surrendered and sanctified. He never bent in the slightest degree toward the doing of evil or toward manifesting rebellion against God. Here then is the key that unlocks this mystery. Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Of every true Christian, it must be said before he comes. And I am reading 1 Corinthians 2.16 We have the mind of Christ. Why? Because Christ came to this earth, as you read in Bible Commentary 7, 926, that he might restore to man the original mind which he lost in Eden through Satan's alluring temptations. So as we conclude this series, I would like to recap for you what Christ did when he came to this earth to demonstrate victorious living. And these extracts that I am going to quote are taken from this sermon 
Listen once more. What did Christ come to earth to demonstrate? Christ came to this earth to show that man, as God created him, connected with the Father and the Son, could obey every divine requirement. Bible Commentary 7, 926. Again, Christ left his heavenly home and came to this world to show that only by being connected with divinity can man keep the law of God. Signs of the Times, December 10, 1896. Christ came to make known to us that we may be partakers of the divine nature. Selected Messages, 1, page 409. Jesus came to this earth to show that man, when filled with the Holy Spirit, could obey the law of God. Manuscript 1, 1892. The Lord Jesus came to our world to reveal what a man could do through faith in God's power to help in every emergency Bible Commentary 7, 9.29. Christ came to reveal the source of his power. Selected Messages 1, 409. Christ came to this world as a man to prove to angels and to men that man may overcome. Signs of the Times, December 3, 1902. The only begotten Son of God came to our world as a man to reveal to the world that men could keep the law of God. Selected Messages 3, 136. God sent his Son into this world to bear the penalty of sin and to show men how to live a sinless life. Signs of the Times, March 30, 1904, and one more. His life declares that humanity, combined with divinity, does not commit sin. Ministry of Healing, page 180. And so, my friend, this is no time to be lost in the church. We need a connection with Christ that the divinity of God can be combined with our humanity. For in such an experience, we will not commit sin. How is it with you, brother? How is it with you, sister? Young man, young woman, are you reaching out for this divine power, the divinity of God promised to us in its fullness that we might be ready to meet Jesus?
I appeal to you, make this the most important decision of your life now and give your heart fully and allow the Holy Spirit to write his law within you and fill you with the power of divinity. Let us pray. Loving Father, as we close this series, we realize that time is growing short and that so few in the church seem to realize that there must be a complete change in our lives, that we, we must reach out and take hold of this power so that our humanity can be touched and connected with divinity. God, help us to make this the most important objective of our daily living is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.